Welcome back to you and your money this evening. We're talking investments. My guest is Henry Biddlecombe. Uh, from next week, I will be giving a phone number out that you can call. It'd be lovely to get callers again on the program. Uh, but we're going to carry on with our emails now. We've got one from Merrill in Bedford View. I know, Henry, that you have asked it, but the fact that Merrill's got sent the email in, let's just deal with it a bit more. She says, with the U.S. markets near all-time highs and valuations that had historically elevated levels, should I be in the, investing in the market right now? You've sort of given some sort of comment, but Henry, as you say, I don't know if there's ever a good or bad time to buy into the market if you're looking long term. Yeah, I think it's always relative to what your current exposure is right now. Um, but you know, if your if your exposure is balanced and you're at your neutral point now, I don't think this is a bad time to take some chips off the table. Um, you know, the market, from a valuation perspective, is looking pretty full. Um, I don't think it's going to do much more from here. And, you know, there's several areas of risk at the moment, um, you know, which could result in some kind of correction. Um, so now is not the time to be going overweight equities, I would say. No. Henry, we've got a big month coming, haven't we? We've got all the tech companies reporting later in the month and many, many, many companies coming out with results. Uh, your views? I mean, what are you expecting? Yeah, so look, I mean, the, the U.S. economy seems to be in pretty good health. Um, the government did a really great job of protecting people's disposable incomes last year, um, you know, on the government's balance sheet. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, the U.S. is 70 is, percent is, uh, of the U.S. economy is driven by the U.S. consumer. And I think the U.S. consumer is in rude health. Um, the risk to markets right now, I think, is all about the interest rate um, and the Fed rate hiking cycle. So if higher interest rates come sooner than expected, um, that could result in a soft equity market. Yeah. Problem for South African interest rates move up because 90% of South Af- working South Africans have debt. And the minute interest rates move up, their debt, their debt in- cost ca- increases. They've had a very good time over the last year and a half where interest rates have been lower. So at least their debt cost has been lower, whilst we've seen everywhere else across the line um, uh, prices increase. I mean, we're seeing medical aid increases now, anything between 4 to 6%. We've seen food prices electricity, rates, taxes, all those things that we're talking about. So, Henry, for South Africans, not a good picture if interest rates start to rise. Yeah, and, you know, the unfortunate reality is that as a country, we just couldn't afford to support people in the same way that some of the developed nations could. You know, if you look to the States, for example, during the pandemic last year, um, the wage replacement factor was more than 100% in some states. So guys are actually earning more staying at home than they normally earn going to work. But in South Africa, you just simply lost out on your salary or your income. Yeah. Um, and that's our economy in a fragile state. It's not only the United States. In Australia, people staying at home are earning $3,000 a month, which is anything between 500 to to 1000 more that they were earning before they went. So they're quite happy with the lockdown and to stay there. Um, Natalie asks, Natalie Cresta says, still, do, do I still believe that I should be investing offshore? And why do you believe that it will yield better returns than investing in South African markets? Well, I'd like to just comment on that because I've been a strong believer over the last 30 years that people should be investing offshore because it's all part of a diversification. But let's understand one thing. South Africa makes up less than 1% of global GDP. Uh, If you look at the BRICS, which is the the club we're a member of, Brazil, Russia, India and China, uh, their GDP, total GDP is 19.5% trillion. I mentioned that last week. Our GDP is $300 billion. So 
I'm saying to myself, why would I want to confine myself to a 1% opportunity when I've got global markets to go? And also the different trends in the markets, where you think about where you could invest when you look at high tech and you look at the EM and you look at all the different technology companies, if you look at robotics, if you look at healthcare, we don't really have those type of companies in South Africa. So Henry, you've got to go, I think you've got to go offshore to get that full of exposure because if offshore markets collapse, our market will collapse, offshore markets move up, but at least you can get into new generation type investments in, instead of all the brands you've got. Your views, Henry? Yeah, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, the investment universe and opportunity sets overseas is just so much broader and so much deeper. Um, you know, when you're looking to um, to take on different geographical exposure as an investor, you've got to look at a country like you look at companies. How healthy is the country? Is it growing? Um, is that a positive backdrop to the companies that I ultimately want to buy? Um, you know, and, and when you start answering those those questions, um, you, you'll start concentrating your portfolio in regions where companies enjoy good infrastructure and, and good sort of secular tailwinds. Yes, and Henry, if you think about it, the kicker really is over a long period of time, we're going to get some RAND appreciation. I mean, there's no doubt about it at the moment. We've got the RAND, it's hovering around the 15, 14, 50 RAND. But if you think ahead five, 10 years, the chances are you'll get a kicker of a few percent as well. Do you, you feel, still feel that is a possibility, RAND appreciation, over the next five, 10 years, Henry? Yeah, so look, factually, the RAND is one of the most volatile currencies in the world. Um, so it has a tendency to overshoot um, in both directions. But when you draw the purchasing power parity graph over a long enough period of time, now I'm talking 20 or 30 years, the one sure thing that you can bet on is the gradual depreciation of the rand um, against the stronger trading currencies like the euro, the pound and the dollar. So when you're making long-term plans, and I'm talking now not even five years, maybe 10 to 15 years, that's something you can pretty much bet on. Yeah. Henry um, Leonard in Parkview says, after the Fed FMOC meeting last week, it sounds like rate hikes might come sooner than expected. Um, you've, 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 you've commented on briefly, but what does this actually mean for markets? Because if interest rates do move up in the USA, isn't it, isn't it giving a message that the US economy is doing so much better? So why is everyone so paranoid about interest rates rising? Because we do want to get all the economies back to a normal situation where people borrowing money have got to pay a bit more, people investing money, particularly pensioners, have got to earn a little bit. So why is this all hinge on interest rates in the USA? So look, I think there, there are two answers to that question. So the first is that there's a technical link between the valuation of equities and interest rates, right? Because interest rates uh, form the basis of the discount rates that you use to value the future cash flows of companies. So the higher the interest rate, the higher the discount rate, meaning that the future cash flows of a company are worth less. And that's why shares tend to come off when interest rates go higher. Um, but the, the, the second answer is also that it starts to indicate that we're in the later stages of a business cycle um, and, you know, market participants become more cautious and they might downweight the equity exposure. So that's, those are the two reasons why. Yeah. But Henry, I mean, when we talk about interest rate hikes, I mean, even two or three interest rate hikes of a quarter percent doesn't really take interest rates to much higher than 1%. I know U.S. Treasuries have moved up recently. The 10-year Treasury, I think, moved up from about 1.3 to around about 1.5. But it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem, I mean, I know it's big increases. I mean, you go from 0.25 to 0.5, it's an increase of 100%. But 
ultimately it doesn't seem that high when you talk about quarter percent interest rates hike. So I think you answered the question there. Um, you know, if, if you go from 100 basis points to 150 basis points, that's a 50% increase, first of all. And secondly, the market tends to price trajectory as much as it does absolute levels. So if we start to see rates spike from, you know, like we saw a couple of weeks ago, 130 to 150, the market starts to price in 170 or 180 even before we get there. Martin in, in Lucia says, how can investors protect their investments from financial bubbles and speculative assets? Henry, how? You can't really buy yeah. hedges and options and things like that. Uh, I, I, you can. I think those sometimes hurt you as much as they help you, though. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, certain areas of the market are going to enter bubble territory. I think we saw it last year with the tech shares. Um, you know, we've seen it in prior decades. Think about the dot-com bubble in the early 2000s. And, uh, you know, to the extent that it's recognizable, um, you know, provided you're with an active manager, you can just, uh, you, you can trim your exposure to that specific area of the market. Um, and if you're talking about the market as a whole, uh, like I mentioned to you earlier, we feel like the market's full from a valuation perspective. Um, there are a number of different areas um, where risks could come to bear over the next couple of months. So take some chips off the table. And that's probably the the best way you could hope to manage your exposure to a bubble. Yeah. But Henry, if you're in quality companies, investing in quality companies, you're going to, as you say, you're going to get these blips, you're going to get these falls. Are you predicting, I mean, I, I think the, the fellow who wrote uh, Rich Man, Poor Man, just, forget, uh, just uh, slips, slips down, he's talking about the biggest crash we've ever had. And we've got a lot of commentators who, who, are, who are predicting this. I mean, can you see that actually? Can you see another 87, 97, another 2008, 2009, uh, another uh, February, March uh, 2020? No. So the reason why the big dips are big is because nobody sees them coming, right? They're unpredictable by definition. So they're incredibly difficult to predict. I would say impossible to predict. Um, but what you can predict with a measure of certainty um, is, is, you know, at a time like this, markets, you know, more likely than not um, will tread water or, or might take a slight dip. And, you know, that's when you talk about a 10 or a 20 percent correction from, from where we're at now. But to predict the next crisis is, is, is absolutely impossible. Well, Peter in East London says a lot of options on stock picks or offshore holdings on other exchanges. How do I access these offshore holdings and can I use RANDs to invest? Are there platforms here, Henry, that one can use to, to, you know, to use your 1 million RAND allowance that you're allowed to on a yearly basis convert without exchange approval? Yes, so over the last couple of years, it's be that whole process has become a lot easier for South Africans. All the big brokers and the banks have great platforms, um, you know, where you can trade live and you get the, they offer great reporting. Um, so speak to your financial advisor or speak to your bank um, or speak to your asset manager and they'll help you. Uh, it's, it's actually quite a simple process. Well, a, a, lot, a lot to chew on. Everyone's investment and retirement circumstances are different and everyone is at a different stage in this process. The message that I'm trying to get through is that investment, both in financial and retirement planning, are an ongoing process and regular reviews with your financial planner, particularly involved in your investments. I mean, if markets do come down and you've got a long-term strategy, then don't panic uh, because 
No one rings a bell when markets reach the bottom and no one rings a bell when markets reach the top. Henry, I'd like to thank you for joining me this evening. It's important to note that our program is to provide information and should not be construed as advice. Next week's program will be focusing on short-term insurance and you need to get hold of me. My details will appear on the screen. I'd like to thank you for watching and good night.